the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Orana again. I promise no sheep stories today. No shepherd stories. No wool shed stories. No mention of farming whatsoever. <laughs> You've got to teach people how to treat you. I heard this statement some years ago, and I had mixed feelings about uh, how it was really working out. But as I've worked with people, and as Jenny and I have worked with people suffering under all kinds of abusive pressure, I've come to realize that there is a case for standing strong against personal injustice. Titus 2 verse 15 says, These things speak and exhort and, and, and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. That specific word for Titus, Paul's delegated leader, I believe can be ours as well. We can, we can take that. Last week we began our mini-series in Titus with a message I called a titan task for a tough Titus. It's on the door. <laughs> we'll probably leave that up till next week. Paul took his young apprentice Titus to the island of Crete, an outpost of Greece, and left him there to tough it out as a pastor slash troubleshooter in the fledgling churches that Paul himself had started in Crete. Crete was a rough place, full of pagans and rebels. Titus's mission, impossible, would only be made possible by two things. Firstly, by selecting quality elders of sound character. And secondly, by silencing those who were attempting to derail the work of God with false doctrine, side issues, and Jewish myths. His main two defences uh, given by Paul were to live a pure life and to back up his words with a consistent lifestyle of good deeds. And this is revisited in chapter 2 where we are this week. We did chapter 1 last week for those who are visiting and missed last week. Uh, so in chapter 2, 7, Paul writes, In all things... Show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity in doctrine, comma, dignified. These truly are the two greatest keys in our spiritual battle kit, aren't they? Against evil, against opposition and injustice. I'll just repeat them. To live holy and to have a consistent lifestyle of good deeds. This week, as we unpack chapter 2, we're going to look at the whole area of honour between the generations and the sexes. And as with last week, this seems to be like a timely word somehow in this world where virtually every moral and, and gender boundary is being challenged. I considered calling today's uh, message 
taming a Titus II woman, <laughs> but I thought I might not get any lunch. <laughs> and uh, so but since we've got a couple of verses talking about women, I also thought that we may need to check handbags uh, at the door next week for rocks to be used as missiles. <laughs> but no, seriously, uh, though God has designed us as men and women. Yes. <laughs> God's designed us as men and women to complement one another in a beautiful way. And as we've seen this morning, there is something really powerful about a family committing to follow Jesus and asking for the favor and the blessing of God on this mammoth task of raising kids. I, I sort of believe the nuclear family is actually under attack. And it literally does take a village to raise a child, to raise a healthy, well-rounded, and uh, well-nourished, courageous, spiritual kid. There's another family that's hugely important, and that's the, the family of God, the church. The church is God's plan A to usher in salvation, restoration, and healing to society. There is no plan B. We just got plan A, the church. We need to understand, um, oh, perhaps I'll go back. Paul has some perhaps controversial things to say in this chapter, yet sound, ad sound advice for getting along, and I reckon we probably need that. Before we open the word, though, at Titus 2, we need to understand this was a pagan society. Things were grossly out of whack. And uh, as with many Old Testament laws, Paul's teaching was designed to protect, I'll say it again, protect the weaker sex and the vulnerable from a much worse situation. We look on with a 21st century kind of mindset and values, and we think some of Paul's teaching about women is sexist and outdated, but we need to know the context. So I've called this message, Honor Up, Honor Down, Honor All Around. I know it's kind of a slogan in Craig and Loren's church, Honor Up, Honor Down, Honor All Around. So let's open uh, our word to Titus 2. Jenny's going to read it. Uh, we're reading from a paraf paraphrased version today. So Jenny's going to read to us Titus 2. This is from the message, and it's headed, A God-Filled Life. Your job is to speak out on the things that make for solid doctrine, guide older men into lives of temperance, dignity, and wisdom, into healthy faith, love, and endurance. Guide older women into lives of reverence so they end up as neither gossips nor drunks, but models of goodness. By looking at them, the younger women will know how to love their husbands and children, be virtuous and pure, keep a good house, be good wives. We don't want anyone looking down on good God's message because of their behavior. Also, guide the young men to live disciplined lives. 
but mostly show them all this by doing it yourself. Incorruptible in your teaching, your words, solid and sane. Then anyone who is then anyone who is dead set against us when he finds nothing weird or misguided might eventually come around. Guide slaves into being loyal workers, a bonus to their masters, no backtalk, no petty thievery. Then their, God, then their good character will shine through their actions, adding luster to the teaching of our Saviour God. God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. Salvation's available for everyone. We've been shown how to turn our backs on a godless, indulgent life and how to take on a God-filled, God-honouring life. This new life is starting right now and is whetting our appetites for the glorious day when our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, appears. He offered himself as a sacrifice to free us from a dark, rebellious life into this good, pure life, making us a people he can be proud of, energetic in goodness. Tell them all this. Build up their courage and discipline them if they get out of line. You're in charge. Don't let anyone put you down. So, if you're taking notes today, number one is to honour up. Honour up. Paul's mana was legendary by this stage later in his life. And so he launches straight in here in Titus 2. He spells out the job description again for young Titus. He starts with advice on sound doctrine. He says, just speak it out. Sometimes we just need to sort of speak out what we believe. Eh? Good advice. Next, he says how to treat older men. And despite the age difference and a cultural kind of mindset that would normally intimidate a younger leader, Paul is saying to Titus, I've got your back. You are my delegate. You guide them. You get them in line. He's saying respect and honor their years, but when push comes to shove, you have the authority to guide them in terms of doctrine and spiritual direction. So a leader hamstrung by fear of man or unhelpful social norms will fail to move forward. Number two, honour around. Honor, sorry, honour woman is number two. Honour women by giving them purpose. See, Crete was not known for equity in marriage. Men would work hard, play hard, drink hard, and generally do as they pleased coming home when it suited. Meanwhile, Christian women, older women, would have time on their hands, lots of time. They would go house to house, gossiping and drinking. But when hubby returned, they would be treated as chattels or even worse, slaves in a loveless relationship. Many women, not all, many. So to deaden the pain, to deaden the pain and the loneliness that they felt, many turned to drink. There's always a reason, isn't there, for an addiction. 
Paul identifies the real issue, lack of purpose. It's one thing to be saved, but saved for what? Paul even uses a word not previously used in regard to women. He tells Titus to guide them to be reverent. This is a one-off occasion. Reverent, as translated here from the Greek, means acting as a representative of God. It almost conveys being priest-like. Wow, that puts a new slant on being a baby boomer. <laughs> Doesn't it? <laughs> you didn't get that one? Okay. <laughs> we have a major issue with um, a lack of purpose in our Kiwi culture. Even some of our friends. They've stopped work. What do they do now? Many who are now free of young kids could use their time volunteering. They could be serving others, giving younger people a break. Instead, many are on their, on their computers all day, going down algorithms. And if he was here, Paul would say to these keyboard warriors, stop it, go and make disciples. There's no unemployment in the kingdom. We all need purpose. And here Paul likens these older women as God's representatives or priests to the younger generation. He likens them as priests and God's representatives. So instead of dwelling on the problem, Paul has a solution. Isn't that refreshing? <laughs> okay, number three, honor around. We've had honor up, honor women. Honor around. Bridging the generation gap takes grace and honor. It's one thing for Paul to encourage the older woman to teach, but it's another for the younger mums to want to learn. The Greek word used here is sophronizo. It's one word, but it actually means that they admonish. That they admonish. Effectively, this is to train someone in self-control, and to restore someone back to their senses. And this is not very PC in our current culture. People, you know, are quite happy to receive advice, but when it comes to training and then discipline, it's not too PC, is it? You know, if, if a young person wants advice now, there's hundreds of websites. Have we lost something that's very vital, a vital connection between young and old? Paul's advice solved two generational issues in three verses. But much grace is needed, isn't it? I, I believe there is possibly many young people craving advice and mentoring in our culture and in our town. They want one-on-one -on -one time. But first, we need to build connection. Amen? We need to give something more precious than words of encouragement. We need to give time. T-I-M-E. Love is spelt time for most people. Could simply time be the missing link in bridging the gap? Then, honoring around, there's the young men. 
But to the young men, Paul, he, you know, he saves up all his experience and all his, you know, years and years, um, and he, he gives them this advice. It's all in this here. Be sensible. That's it. All of his wealth of knowledge, be sensible. That's it. So the women get three verses, and the young men get two words. <laughs> be sensible. That's it. Although some versions do say, be disciplined. <laughs> but really, when you actually dig a little deeper, Paul's advice here is actually quite profound in its simplicity. If we take the meaning, be disciplined, discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. It is its closest friend. When we get disciplined, we get enthusiasm. Enthusia means God in us. In enthusia. We get enthusiastic when we're disciplined to something. And really when you look at this um, from, from Paul's point of view, he's saying here, have a vision. Be sensible in your thoughts. Pace yourself and keep your eye on the prize. Yesterday I was listening to the radio in the digger for a moment and it was uh, interviewing a young lady who's an, a long distance runner. She's from the west coast where they breed them tough. They run in the rain and the cold and there's heaps of long distance runners come out of the west coast. And uh, she actually came second uh, in a world women's uh, event in Africa, 100 miles, 100 miles. She came second. The, the, the interviewer was asking her, what is it that takes, you know, and she said, well, I've trained with others. And I thought, yes, we need others to spur us on with other greats, she said. And then she said, I've got to pace myself and really mentally be very, very strong. And I was thinking, yeah, this is all really what Paul's saying to these young guys. And then she says, I've got to have an eye on the prize. The end goal. The end goal, you see in Proverbs, I think, it says, for lack of vision, the people perish. But another version says, people perish for a lack of restraint. If you want to get something, you have to sacrifice. You have to restrain yourself to save or to, to work to get that thing. You see, it doesn't just happen. A vision is only, only a dream if it doesn't have legs. And that's what he was saying to these young guys. Then in a sense, he's, he's honoring down Paul continues, there's a word to slaves about going hard for their boss. Whoa. Even when they know, don't know the Lord or they're tough. Paul says nothing to slave owners. Really, this chapter is almost about honoring those who don't deserve it. Could this be Paul's way of making the point that in this kingdom... In this kingdom we're part of, we honor the least. We honor the poor, those who don't rate in the big scheme of things. In verse 11, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Key word being all. 
And finally, Paul honors God, honors up. He honors God for sending Jesus, who gave himself for us. Let's read verses 12 to 14. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly righteousness and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Out of relationship, we serve. Because of Jesus, we go without. We deny ourselves. We are crucified daily. Out of relationship, we do good deeds. We're not saved by those. We're saved to do those things. We're not saved out of guilt, fear, and compulsion. We're saved by grace. And I've just got a, a verse I'll have to look up because the mark has fallen out. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that you were at the time separate from Christ. This is before we met him. Excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants. That's all the things God promised. The covenants are promised. Having no hope about things. No hope. And without God in the world. That's us before we met him. Aren't we glad he came? Where would Crete have been without the gospel? It was a hellhole. But Christ came to bring hope, to dispel all that darkness and bring hope through Titus and Paul. We're almost done, but not quite. There's like this PS on the end, the last verse. It's like a PS. Look after yourself. Is basically what it's saying. Let no one deny you. No, sorry, let no one disregard you, sorry. We're to honour up, honour down, honour women, honour all around. But to say we should honour ourselves doesn't sort of fit our Kiwi culture thing, does it? It's perhaps a step too far. But to go the distance, we need to take care of our bodies, our minds, our emotional tank, and our hearts. I hope you're getting this. You've got to look after those things. They're God-given. It's like we have gauges on those things, and we need to recognize when we're on E for empty. Went down to the flood pump to, to fuel it up. Oops, that's a farming story. <laughs> and it was below E. <laughs> And it was still going, and I thought, man, that's, that's sometimes me. You know, I'm just below E, but I'm still going. <laughs> we got to watch out for our gauges. Look after our gauges, our emotional tank, our body, our food intake, our everything. We've got to look after ourselves. Amy and Aaron have put their hand up to care for the spiritual gauges and the general well-being of some very special little people and have dedicated them to the Lord today. Amy and Aaron are going to say, hey, you're a little bit low on that spiritual gauge there, Lockie. Come on, Sasha. Cheer up. 
They've also dedicated their family life to the Lord, whatever direction that takes in the future. And we honour them for this step. But mostly we honour the source of life, our beautiful Saviour. And I'm going to land this by saying let's honour up. Let's honour up, then down, then all around. My challenge to leave you with today, apart from all of those things and looking after yourself, is have you dedicated your life to Christ? Have you dedicated your life? Father God, we just give great praise and thanks for the word of God, just for the depth of meaning and all of these things that if we did them, they just work. When we do them, they work. Lord, your wisdom, your authority, your creation is just amazing. You didn't make everything out of dust that was there. You even made the dust. And out of your word, life springs forward. By your word, things were created. And by your word, life springs forward in our heart if we'll just listen and accept it today. God, we just pray we would receive Christ and receive your word, receive life, and then give it away, give it out. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.